Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, and I hope you guys are all doing well wherever you are in the world. To my loyal bed crimers, thank you for showing up. And to anyone new to the channel, a warm welcome. I'm happy you're here. Let's get started. Many former detectives and crime scene analysts have been weighing in on this case. And one of the first things they mention is the house at 1122 King Road. That's where the four students were when the crime occurred. Not only are these experts mentioning the architecture of the home, they are also talking about the property where it sits, the surrounding neighborhood, and the thick tree line behind it. And the conclusion the majority of these experts are coming to is that that off-campus house is such that it may have lent itself to attracting a troubled male who enjoys looking into windows and secretly, and maybe sometimes not so secretly, following young females around. Factor in five very attractive, vivacious young women who love to socialize and have gatherings at the home where a lot of people come and go, and some know the security code for the front door, and you have a situation ripe for potential trouble. These young women also loved taking photos on the back porch, which may have meant that they sometimes forgot to lock the sliding doors that lead from the kitchen to the patio and vice versa. And it looks as if they may also have a window in the kitchen that also could be slid open, which means that it too may not have been locked. I showed a photo yesterday of that back window and just below it was a cinder block with a concrete stepping stone atop it. Those items looked as if someone had used them possibly to climb up into and through the kitchen window. Or those items could have been there as the place to sit while the girls barbecued. Is that maybe how the perpetrator got into the home in the early morning hours of Sunday, November 13th, 2022? It certainly looks like a possibility. And yes, I'm talking about a male doing this because nearly every expert I've listened to has said that the attacker, a former FBI assistant director named Chris Swecker, was on Fox News yesterday. And he said that there is merit to a theory wherein the female college students living at 1122 King Road may have caught the attention of a very troubled male who was keeping close tabs on them for some time. And that male may have been waiting for the perfect moment to make good on his sick fantasies. He pointed out the following elements. One, the floor plan and layout of the home, including the many windows facing out the front and the back of the home. The back patio, with its vulnerable and likely easy to jar open sliding doors, and the third floor Juliet style balcony off Kaylee Gonsalves' room. 
Two, the home's location in a rather densely populated neighborhood and the location of the property the house sits on. This property backs up to a thick tree line, and on one side of it, there's a quiet, poorly lit parking lot for the inhabitants of the large apartment complex next door. The thick wooded tree line would offer the perfect place for a guy who likes to look into the bedroom windows of female students. It's a place where he could hide and camouflage himself. Standing or sitting behind those trees, he would have been hidden from the girls' views, particularly at night, and he could have also avoided being seen by people living in the large apartment complex who park their cars there. What's worse is that when Chris McDonough of the interview room walked around this parking lot, he could not see any motion detector lights or other security lights that would have illuminated those areas at night. And the house the girls lived in also did not have any motion detector lights on it. It would appear that all they had in the back of the house were some small sconce lights that would have had to be turned on manually and left on all night to have any worth as a security feature. Perhaps if the girls had left that light on all night, every night, it might have deterred a would-be peeping Tom from hanging out back there. Three, the property at 1122 King Road, where the crime took place, is also right next to a parking lot belonging to a large apartment building. This parking lot may have offered a place for the perpetrator to park a vehicle and then head over to the wooded area behind the girl's rental house. Back there, the perpetrator would have had an up-close view straight into the back of the home, meaning straight into the kitchen and straight into Kaylee Gonsalves' upstairs bedroom. And if the girls failed to close their draperies or pull down their shades at night, a person trying to see inside would likely have been able to see pretty much everything going on in those two spaces. When I was about four years old, I was playing on the floor of my bedroom. All of a sudden, I felt someone looking at me. I glanced up and caught the teenage son of our next-door neighbor staring down at me. It was such a scary moment that I got up, ran out of the room, tore down to the kitchen where my parents were. They told me just to go back and pull the shade down, which was a very scary moment. Because of that terrifying experience, I've always been a stickler about closing my drapes at night. I think these are things we need to teach our children. It's definitely sad that you have to tell them to beware of people like that, but it's an important safety precaution, in my opinion, particularly for young females headed off to college and living in those off-campus houses. Chris Swecker also mentioned that the female students living at 1122 King Road were known to be very social, very vivacious, and to often have parties at the house. 
Per Swecker, these young women, through no fault of their own, might have inadvertently drawn the attention of a troubled man, someone like a Ted Bundy type, who, once he's fixated on a person or on a group of people, will wait and watch and then pick the perfect time to strike. Swecker also feels that whoever committed this crime does not have an extensive criminal record because his DNA is not in the CODIS database. Now, I'm not sure how Mr. Swecker knew that the perpetrator's DNA is not in CODIS. It sounds like that information may have been shared by law enforcement to some people in the media, or it's possible that they're just assuming this because this many days out from the crime, the police maybe should have been able to track down and arrest the perpetrator through DNA left at the scene. Swecker also said that it seems like this may be the first crime of this nature by this person. He based this assessment on the fact that whoever the perpetrator is, he's not caught the attention of the local police prior to this crime. So this perpetrator is not some petty criminal who was already on the Moscow police's radar. Swecker also called this a low-tech crime based on the instrument used to harm the students and the fact that the perpetrator took that instrument with him when he left. I personally feel that that instrument is considered precious by the perpetrator, as if it's his favorite utensil, so to speak. As such, there's no way that he would discard it, even if it meant holding on to a potential piece of evidence, i.e. the smoking gun, that could be used against him if and when he gets caught. And while Chris Swecker feels the case will be solved, he also stated that he fears it may go cold. He said that as time goes by, slowly the resources that are currently being used to investigate the crime, meaning the FBI agents and the Idaho State Police, will drain off. And at that point, the small police department of Moscow, Idaho, will be on its own trying to solve the case. Swecker advised the students' parents to continually pressure the police to keep investigating the crime to the fullest extent. Swecker also advised the investigators to interview all the neighbors in the area who have a line of sight to the home at 1122 King Road. He noted that he'd seen interviews of neighbors who said that they have not yet been interviewed by the police. Swecker feels that it's absolutely essential that the police talk to each and every neighbor. Let's hope the investigators working on this case go the extra mile. They have to solve this crime or else the students who attend the University of Idaho and the people who call Moscow, Idaho home will never again feel safe. And of course, they also need to solve it to get answers for Kaylee, Maddie, Zana, and Ethan's families. Justice must be served, and the perpetrator 
must be punished to the fullest extent of the law and put away so that he can never harm another innocent soul. So that's what former FBI Assistant Director Chris Swecker said about this crime. Now, let me break down what another former FBI investigator had to say about the crime. This time, it's retired FBI investigator Bill Daly, and he also spoke to Fox News this past Sunday. Daly believes this was a targeted attack and that someone within the student's orbit caused it to happen. He said, and I quote, someone would have had to had to know the inside of the home, know their routine. If it was someone on a rampage, like a serialist, they would have also gone downstairs and harmed the others, end quote. So unlike Chris Swecker, who feels this could be the work of a serialist, Bill Daly is basing his theory largely on the fact that two of the females living in the home were left unharmed. That would be the two females whose bedrooms were on the lowest level of the three-level home. And that does make sense. If the perpetrator was into harming a lot of people, he would have found a way into those females' downstairs rooms, either by breaking the doors down or maybe trying to get into the front windows. I know going through front windows poses a greater risk of getting caught or being seen, but the students' cars were all pretty much parked in front of the home, somewhat masking the front windows from being seen from across the street. Also, we've heard from neighbors that it is pitch dark in this part of the neighborhood at night, so much so that dog walkers wear headlamps to allow them to see. Also, on the night of this crime, it was very cold and quite foggy. That would have added another veil, allowing the perpetrator to access the home without anyone seeing him. Next, I want to share what forensic psychiatrist Carol Lieberman told Newsweek about the crime. First, Lieberman said she's confident that the attack was not random and not the work of a serialist. Per Dr. Lieberman, the multiple wounds and messy crime scene inside the home where investigators said there was a great deal of the red stuff that runs through all our veins are signs that the crime was personal and that the perpetrator was absolutely enraged. She said, and I quote, the four slain students were the epitome of good looks, success, and self-confidence. At least that's the way it seemed to their classmates and others in the town. So there would have been a lot of envy and jealousy toward them, end quote. I think a lot of us felt from the start that jealousy played some role in this crime. Dr. Lieberman went on to say that the perpetrator could be someone who felt rejected by one of the victims. She stated, and I quote, perhaps some would-be suitor 
of Kaylee Gonsalves and Madison Mogan, who felt that the girls were out of their league, felt rejected whether they had approached them or just looked on from afar. Here is one of the most shocking things that Dr. Lieberman shared. She said, and I quote, Indeed, the perpetrator could be an incel who saw Kaylee and Madison as Stacy's. The name incels give to girls who they believe would look down on them and refuse to date or have or have physical relations with them. End quote. In case you, like me, have never heard of an incel, let me explain. The incel community is an online subculture that promotes the misogynistic ideas that men are entitled to have relations with women. Some males turn to internet forums to plot violent attacks against those who reject them and use terms like Chad and Stacy as slang for those with more active, romantic, or physical lives. Dr. Lieberman shared that incels can develop a lot of rage towards Stacy's as they play their imagined rejection over and over in their mind. Now, I also read on Reddit, which I am well aware is not necessarily a trusted source or a dependable source, that Moscow, Idaho, has something called the Cult of Moscow. And this cult is heavily involved in the community and even owns multiple properties in the community. So this cult of Moscow is said to be heavily misogynistic, and it teaches its male followers that violence toward women is justified in the eyes of God if they don't behave the way man or God intended. Hearing what Dr. Lieberman said and then finding out about this cult of Moscow makes it seem plausible that some incel living in Moscow who may be part of this cult might have noticed the five lovely young girls living at 1122 King Road. These girls, thanks to their good looks, the parties they threw at the house, their social media accounts and profiles, and their participation in sororities and visits to the corner club bar in town were probably standouts in the student body. Beauties impossible to ignore. It's not hard to imagine some guy who doesn't quite fit the girl's standards or tastes or society's ideal of what a good-looking, you know, successful guy is, maybe feeling rejected and ignored by these beautiful students and then feeling enraged about it. Could there be more than one incel who decided to pair up with another one to teach these girls a lesson? Maybe. Whoever committed this crime 
clearly planned it to some extent. At the very least, he came armed with a sharp-edged object. He picked a time when few outsiders would be awake, and it's also possible that he came with clothing to change into, possibly inside the house. There's pretty much no way that the perpetrator walked away without some of that red stuff spattered on his clothing. Adding fuel to this theory are claims that multiple people reported seeing a suspicious man throwing things away in a dumpster around 4 a.m. Now, I looked at the Moscow police logs for that evening and that early morning, and I could not find such reports. But we do know the police removed the contents of three dumpsters near the rental home after the crime for analysis. And now I want to share a post that talks about what allegedly went down at the rental house on King's Road, or King Road, on Sunday morning. I cannot verify this post. I cannot say for sure if it's the real deal, but it does offer a believable scenario that would explain why the two surviving roommates called friends to the home that morning. Okay, here is the note, and I quote, Two people who claimed to be at the house with the roommates when the bodies were discovered quickly came to the surviving roommate's defense and wrote that the roommates woke up, went upstairs to the kitchen, and noticed the sliding glass door was open, and it was during that time they discovered Ethan. They didn't say where he was found on that floor, but that it was so horrific that both girls went into shock and ran out of the house. One of the roommates fainted, and the other was beyond hysterical and not making any sense. Their frantic actions while coming out of the house caught the attention of people walking past. The people responding on the victim's IG claimed to be two of those people. They implied that the roommate, who fainted, had already dialed 911, but was so distraught that she fainted before she could give any info that the dispatcher could understand. The only info that the bystander who picked up the roommate's phone could give the 911 dispatcher was she just saw her friend run out of the house and faint. That's how the 911 call was made on the roommate's phone and by someone else. And why the call went out for an unconscious person. End quote. So that's the end of the video for tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. If you did, please do me a favor. Hit that like button. It's a free way you can help me, and it means so much to me. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.